Marini's Media. Welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition with Football Manager. It's Lindsay Hooper here and back alongside me, finally. What do you mean, finally? It's me, Kate <laughs> Borsay. Hello. Did you have a lovely time? Oh, my goodness. I'm sunned. I'm relaxed. I feel that I've had my mental and physical break away from the game. On the agenda on today's show, a record crowd at Nottingham Forest City Ground sees a thriller as Chelsea become Continental Cup champions for the first time in their history. England gear up to begin their She Believes title defence against World Cup semi-finalists and foes the United States. And we round up some of the big talking points of the week in women's football. That will include transfer news, injury updates and our old favourite weather-related schedule changes. Woohoo! We've already mentioned the weather twice, <laughs> Dubai and now that again. Well, joining us on today's show, a big hello to broadcaster presenter as well for the likes of Five Live Talksport and Sky Sports News, also celebrating a birthday on a leap year, yes. Anne-Marie Batson. Yes, and I'm not going to tell you my proper age or my leap year age. So oh, you, I want the leap year age. Well, I think, I think, I think you must be seven or eight. A little bit higher. A little bit that. higher. Because if I tell people my leap year age, they'll work out what my real age is, so I keep shtum. You okay, can't yeah. possibly be older than me at 41. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't think anyone is in the all, all I'm bothered about is how many candles could fit on the cake that you've brought in, <laughs> i.e. is it big enough for me to have a massive slice? I can assure you that will be the case, oh, yes, you'll be able to have a you. massive slice. Chocolate ganache cake. I yes. know, Anne Maria's come armed with cake, so she'll be welcomed for many hours after the show. <laughs> Not many hours, I want to rattle through this, back to the cake. <laughs> can I just say, it's the first time I've shared a studio with you, Miss, oh, you know, you Missy, I haven't I seen you in such a long time. Kate and I obviously worked together over the, yeah. you know, yes. the last few weeks, so it's great to see Kate again, but it's fantastic. Fantastic to see you, oh, Miss Hooper. And, and also twice in a week. I know. We were at the SJA. Yes, we were. Had a quick chat, gossip, yeah. and then, you know, I, had yeah. a drink. Went, Saw did your thing. Standing up, presenting an award. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way, to everyone who won at the SJAs. Looked like a really good night. I was coming back from my glitzy holidays. I saw the pictures, <laughs> yeah, enough said. Just mm. yeah. right in again. Yeah. Um, back to your birthday. Yes, back to your birthday and can I just get a little bit of insight? What's it like being born on a leap year? Is it extra special or is it just kind of annoying? In my younger years it was it was a little bit annoying because I couldn't understand why I couldn't have a birthday every year like everybody else. I mean, it's not, you know, it was my fault that I was born on the 29th. You did have a birthday I, every year though, didn't, didn't you? Yes, was it like literally, yeah. no, no, no. Well, yeah, Actually, I, you I know, did. 29th only. Well, I did, but the thing is, it was a case of when do I celebrate my birthday because there was a big argument in my family about should I have it on the 28th of February or should I have it on the 1st of March? I've got a very strong opinion about this. I don't know A lot of people have a strong opinion. (laughs) I'll just go with the flow. What's your opinion on it? (laughs) It has to be the 1st because you wouldn't have been here on the 28th. And yet I was born in the month of February. Oh. And that's the arc. So I have it on the on the 28th. But people send cards to me when it's not on a leap year. They'll send cards on both days because... Also, if they're a day late, is, it's sort it's, of fine. It's all fine. So I give them that, you yes. know, that out, if you like, if they forget. But 29th, it's fantastic. I had a big party a few years ago because it was a big number of four years ago, shall we say. But this year, <laughs> I kept it very quiet. I was just really, really relaxed. But I'll tell you what causes me the most problems is when I have to input my birth date into yes, computers and things like that. Back this. in the day, oh, yeah. it wouldn't recognise the 29th. But now it does. Yeah. Like HMRC, shall we say. It wouldn't recognise it 10 years ago. Now it does. So that That's always used to cause me very problems. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, we know you've been right across the Conti Cup final and what a dramatic game it was as well. And arguably... 
The team that walked off with the trophy, their first ever Conti Cup trophy, Chelsea, weren't the best team on the day, were they? Emma Hayes said that the best team didn't win, but the most resilient team won. And I think that sums it up in a nutshell. I uh, was on a podcast. Love you guys, of course, but I was on another podcast (gasps) during the week. I said it was going to be 2-1 to Chelsea and I got it spot on because I think Chelsea just had the momentum. I wasn't surprised, actually, that Chelsea won it. I've seen them a few times this season and they are a force to be reckoned with. I can't see, apart from City, I can't see any team managing to Mm. dismantle Chelsea in the way that they can be dismantled. They are too strong this season. We're going to dissect your thoughts further on that match. We'll also get some expert opinion over the phone as well. But first, whilst you were on other podcasts and not on this one, something happened. We got a sponsor. Football Manager are now on board with the offside rule. And it is very good news this week because it marks the start of a flash FM20 sale. This is if you play the game on PC or Mac. That's right. A whole 30 off. So in other words, a third. Well, more details are available at footballmanager.com. Sales starts this week, but ends next Monday, the 9th of March. So don't hang around. Lindsay and I getting to grips with enjoying this Football Manager game. And just out of interest, because we like to canvas our guests, if you were going to manage any women's team, because this is where we'd like it to go next, right? If you're going to manage any women's team, which one would it be, Anne-Marie? Surely everyone's going to say Chelsea right now, aren't they? No, because she's an Arsenal fan, so she may well not. I was actually going to say Arsenal. Yeah, okay. 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 yeah, Arsenal. I'd have to go with Arsenal, 100%. As a neutral? I'd say Leon. Oh, okay. Yeah. The glory. The glory. The glory. Absolutely, 100%. I'm not ashamed to say it. The glory. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I would go for Liverpool because I, I feel like there's a lot that I could do. To... <laughs> I mean, there's a lot you could do. such a presumptive ah. thing to say, isn't it? Brilliant. But this is how games like Football Managers work. They are full of fans. Vicky Jepson's saying, listening in thinking, I, I know where the answer myself. is. It was Kate I'm so sorry, Vicky. All no, no disrespect. But I would be curious to see how it would be like to manage Liverpool. Okay, well, let's get you straight back to the city ground because we want to talk about this match in depth and the small matter of that Continental Cup final. Back it goes to Anderson again. And Mielder's at the back post and it was knocked down towards Beth England. He's made it 1-0 to Chelsea. Williamson got a head to and Williamson's there again and finally they've done it. Kirsten well here, gets back to a feet. England's a mark at the back post. She's waiting for it. She's got it. England's won it for Chelsea. You told me to stop, but I keep on going. The Continental Cup is Chelsea's. Hayes history makers. England the hero. Winners of this competition for the first time. A trophy that's always eluded them. The most resilient team won, not the better team, the most resilient one. And I'm very proud of the players and the effort they put in because it was a tough game. Amazing, oh my God. Um, Definitely wasn't going out extra time there, we could not do that. I couldn't stand out in the cold for one more minute. (laughs) Bethany England popping up again with a wonderful winner. You know, I'm so proud of them. Once they scored, I was like, nah, there's no way. We've got some extra time in there. There was a few injuries and um, my gloves are wet, my socks are wet. I just need to get inside and and celebrate. That was quite emotional. Like, uh, it was up and downs and I think um, we just, we we deserved it, I think, because uh, we gave everything we had. Like, we blocked, uh, we 
we put everything what we got in this uh, Continental Cup final and now we have to go and uh, smash the league. There's no secret I came here to win trophies and tonight's one of those nights. The starting point is the is the treble and there's my son in the crowd which is what it's all about, winning so that he has something to be proud of. Emma Hayes' side win the first domestic silverware of the season and there could be more to come for her side. Well, you heard the thoughts there of Emma Hayes, Sam Kerr and goalkeeping hero Anne-Katrin Berger there. And the thing that you hear from Emma Hayes is the word proud about two or three times she says it. Clearly a competition she now loves. Indeed, given that she was quite vocal about it a few months ago. <laughs> she Ms. sounds Hayes. delighted I with can, that I can, I can just hear the sound of some backpedalling in, <laughs> in the distance, anyone? It, that's what happens when you get silverware. Indeed, exactly, and that's the point. I, I don't know any manager who would who would reject the idea of winning silverware outright. I, I get the point she was making a few months ago, but it's a trophy's a trophy, and it starts them off on this path of potentially winning the treble for the season. That's something to celebrate. Why not? And the team have worked really, really hard for this. So good for her. I love the whole Brian Clough thing. I love the whole fact that she's a massive fan and she was getting quotes on the morning. But that team, I tell you, is something else. There's something special about that team. There's something special about Beth England and Katrinberger had a fantastic match. Millie Bright really stepped up. That whole team is just a delight to watch. And I've seen, as I've mentioned, I've seen Chelsea a few times live now and I'm in awe of them, of what they can do and what they achieve. The fact that they they come out of the blocks and then they slow down the game, then they go fast again, then they slow down. They suffocate people mm-hmm. in the midfield. And then that link up between... Sam Kerr and, and Bethany England, you know, who thought that was going to happen straight away? But so it has. quickly. We've talked about that before on this podcast about Chelsea, you know, initiating waves of play. And that's really interesting. And what a great advert for the women's game. I know it's kind of an oft thing said, but for the neutral, this game was tantalising, wasn't it? Obviously, Chelsea 1-0 up coming into the second half and it was kind of even Stevens for me on both sides it was Beth England of course with the early goal and around eight minutes and coming into the second half it was sort of anyone's game and then you saw Arsenal in that second half with Miedemar missing three chances three clear chances so unlike her and you started to see Arsenal come into the game and Caitlin Ford as well Linz I thought she was exceptional so it's only a second game in English football mm, another Aussie that's shining and one that I think a lot of people were interested to see how quickly she adapted well the answer is with a lot of the Australian imports that we've had is that they've gone straight into WSL and taken off yeah absolutely which as Kate mentioned is such a good advert for the WSL hopefully you're going to attract more Australian players coming into it and I think players really needed to help out Joe Monterio because purely because of the injury situation and I'm not using that as an excuse but it, if there's an injury situation that presents an opportunity for other players to shine mm. Saturday was it and Caitlin Ford did exactly that. Yeah, he was without key players, wasn't he, in the game? Um, the likes of Kim Little, she was out, Leah Volti, Jen Beatty, also Hannah, who I know you spoke to last week as well, Lindsay. Just after the game, Joe Montemuro was responding to the suggestion that his team could have been more direct, in other words, to divert from his usual set style in order to make the most of what was happening in that game. And he just said... I'm hearing that I'm very, very stubborn, and I am, because I will never play a transition game. I'm really sorry. It's not my style. It's not my way. I believe in having the ball. I'm going to keep playing football. We have the players to play good football. I won't go away from my style. So in other words, he's going to keep the attractive football up, even if it costs them trophies. Is that a wise thing to do? 
I think if you, on reflection, look at the match and think there was a different approach taken and maybe they had have tried feeding a long ball, trying to get upfield, trying to turn around the, the play in midfield quicker, would that have had an effect where they came out of this game with the trophy? I still don't think that the answer is yes. I, I still think that Chelsea would have won that match. And I think there were parts of the possession play that they did dominate. And that's something that Arsenal can take away. I mean, Arsenal seemed to me to be that step up from Barcelona in women's football. You know, Barcelona have, have been playing now for some time this impressive possession-based football. And we know that Arsenal have the quality on the end of it. It just wasn't the day for... I mean, Mie Demar's going to have her times when she's she sinks five or six chances like that. It just wasn't her day. And I don't think if they'd have played another 90 minutes and, and done a whole other mm. tactic with it, that it would have changed. I think... Chelsea were going to win that match. And I think the last time Montemura made a big change was when they played Chelsea last time and looked how that worked out. Mm. He tried a different method and it didn't work. I do like to think, though, that there is a plan B in the back of his mind. If things aren't going to plan, can he make one or two tiny tweaks somewhere, just maybe change formation or swap out a player here and there? Because I think sometimes if plan A isn't working and you're getting pulverised, as we've seen in the past, I do think you might have to make a little bit of a change. Let's talk about just some standout performances. We mentioned Caitlin Ford and how impressive she was going forward. I've got to mention the Chelsea goalkeeper, Anne-Catherine Berger. You touched on it earlier, Anne-Marie. A string of good saves, arguably. Well, you've got Beth England in the mix, of course, as well. But, you know, debatable who was the player of the match, really, between Anne-Catherine Berger and Beth England. She threw herself around didn't she she was winded at one point from making a save before Leah Williamson she'd done, got her she'd goal. done something very similar the week before as well in yeah, the league so this isn't a, a one-off against, yeah. Man- against Manchester City I think yeah, it was Manchester George Stanway wasn't yeah. it the week before and it's great to see you know Chelsea well in fact both sides have this rich history with with, with having awesome goalkeepers whether it's Van Veenendaal for, for uh, Arsenal last season they've obviously got Berger this season and Anne-Katrine Berger looks to be an absolutely essential part of that Chelsea side now. Very much so. And I think if you've got a very good, strong goalkeeper, then you're going to have a good, strong defence because obviously those two in that way need to work together and rely on each other. And because the way that she can spread her body out when she's going for a dive or something like Mm. that, I mean, I couldn't do it. I think she's a fantastic goalkeeper. I know she's had ups and downs, but again, the weekend was the day to show everyone what she could do and she did that. I mean, there's an incredible backstory there as well. She obviously featured for Birmingham for quite a while was diagnosed with thyroid cancer back between the six 61 days after a major operation I mean that tells you the grit and determination and how you know players with these amazing stories keep coming into our lives through women's football you know that's that's an amazing thing Okay, anyone else? I mean, I thought Chelsea's bat line in general, Magdalena Eriksson, Jonna Anderson, Marin Mielder playing out of position, very good as well. I thought Marin Mielder coped admirably with that because I think she was the one player that was under the cosh a little bit in that role and had to adapt quickly. But I I thought she was brilliant. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And again, it doesn't moan about it, gets on with the job. And what I like about Emma Hayes is... Everybody knows exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Mm. She's not that type of manager that will stand at the touchline and shouting at people. And Marin did the job that she was told to do. And yeah, she was a little bit under the cosh, but she held it. Mm. I'd also like to say, when we were talking earlier about Montemuro and whether he could have changed things up and whether there was going to be a different way of winning that game for him... I think we're also not paying enough credit to Chelsea in this, in the sense that I think they let them have the ball a lot. I don't think it was something that was happening by chance. I think that they they were dominating. They knew positionally it felt a little bit zonal 
at times from Emma mm. that she'd given the, these areas that they've got to look after and, and they, they kept it as they wanted. I don't think that they ever they ever looked like they were going to go away without winning that one. Mm. I, I just felt that they were superior on the day. I think some lessons would have been learnt after the match against Man City when it ended as a three-all draw because that was the only time I think Chelsea were pushed and they had their backs against the wall and there were certain players that became vulnerable under City's attack. And I think Emma would not want to repeat that mm. because Arsenal got such good strong mm. forwards. So you're right, those zonal marking. I do like zonal marking. I know not everyone's the biggest fan of it, but I like the fact that people got areas that they look after. Yeah. And, and I think that works really well on Saturday. How much are we looking forward to Beth England at the She Believes? And we'll talk more about the She Believes later in the show. But just she's in such rich form at the moment, mm. Lindsay. Yeah, and, and I hope that that isn't a purple patch. I hope that that is going to be what we see from Beth England season in, season out now. She has shown that she has got every way of finishing, left, right, head. She's just brilliant. She's got a lovely curled effort as well. Her awareness of where the goal is, she doesn't even look anymore. She just knows <laughs> where it is. That is a player high on confidence. And when someone's like that, they're on the way to something special. I think she'll go on to be the leading goal scorer. I know it's going to be hard with me Demar having scored so many goals and that potential to do so just in one match so I don't think it's going to be clear cut but I think she will get top goal scorer uh, for this season and it will be thoroughly deserved it's one of those with Beth that I think she's also been quite fortunate with the players that she's playing around and with at the moment I think as you touched on earlier Sam Kerr that relationship that they've suddenly picked up from her arrival but before that I thought she was linking up with Fran as well before Fran went mm. out of the side I don't know there's a there's a bit about her that's got something to prove and she's proving it yeah very much so I think she has something to prove for England I think I agree with what you say Lindsay about her the players around her, what I haven't figured out yet is how she works for England mm. in terms of how does she, what is her relationship going to be like with those players around her? We haven't seen that yet. And is it, as you say, is it going to be a case of her being able to slot in mm. and do what she does naturally? Mm. Or is it a case she's going to have to figure out whose partnerships work for her and who well, also, don't? Also, who is going to play where? Because she's going yeah. to benefit, isn't she, from the fact that there's no Beth Mead yes. as well in that team. So an exciting prospect. We'll talk but more about I that I don't think she is going to benefit from working with Ellen White. I can't see that them being too, they're too similar, aren't it they? It does pre present point. a very interesting just conundrum, conundrum, doesn't it? Exactly. It does Which I'm excited to see how Phil Neville solves. Yeah, absolutely. But Ellen is the one out of the two of them that has played in a different position before. She's so much more successful when she plays straight down the middle, but for Birmingham, for other teams, she has. Player. Well, she's been more of the support striker for most of her career. She's never been that out-and-out -out striker until recent seasons, until she had that sensational form at the World Cup and came back and now she's she's managed to keep hold of that role and that's where I think she should play. But if you were looking at both of them, which one's played out of position more? Ellen. <laughs> Well, let's get a first-hand account of this Conti Cup final then from a man who was at the city ground. It's women's football journalist. And, of course, he looks after the media for Sheffield United women as well. It's Rich Laverty. Hello, our favourite Rich. Yes, and former Offside Rule website editor. Former, well, I would even go so far as to say an aficionado and one of the founding members of our team. There you go. Do you, are you happy with that intro, Rich? It's the longest intro I've ever had. I quite like it. By the way, are you, are you on a mountain? Where are you? I'm not on a mountain, but it's just permanently windy up north at the minute, so... <laughs> are you in the middle of the moors? No, I'm at work. Oh, are you? Okay, fine. Okay, okay. Uh, let's start then with the atmosphere at the city ground. Have you been there before to see women's football? What, what did you think of it? 
I've never been before, actually. I've been around the corner um, to the county ground. Obviously, Notts County used to play there, and England had a few games there, but it was good. It was very... It felt like there was a lot more Chelsea fans there than Arsenal fans. I don't know whether that was just because mm. it felt really loud at the end, obviously, but there was a big pocket of blue um, sort of quite right opposite us. What's so, your yeah, take, Rich, on... Uh, I mean, that, it was a record crowd, 6,743, but obviously it wasn't a full stadium. What's your impression? What are your thoughts when it's a decent crowd, but when you put it in a big stadium, it sometimes negates the record crowd statistic? Mm, yeah, the, the Conti Cup's a strange one. It's never really, you know, it's the same teams. You know, we've had FA Cup finals that have been Arsenal-Chelsea. We've had two Arsenal-Chelsea FA Cup finals at Wembley. And, you know, both times you've looked at 30,000, 40,000 fans. And the Conti Cup, it's just never really happened. I mean, you know, the Saturday evenings, it's quite an accessible ground. You know, it's right in the city centre. It's quite middle of the country so it's difficult a lot of people say do we need to wait until the semi-finals are over and then pick somewhere because obviously it was two London teams but there's a lot that you know I, I was at Sheffield United last year obviously when Bramall Lane hosted it and there's a lot that goes into it I don't yeah. think it's something you can do in four weeks so I think it's this constant battle we've got with trying to get people interested and obviously fighting with with the men's game when it comes to a Saturday afternoon as well. Give us your takeaways from the game then. It ended in dramatic style, didn't it? But just take us through your thoughts on it. Yeah, it was a strange one because probably Arsenal deserved to win. So when you analyse a game where the other team, you know, deserves to win, it's hard to analyse kind of what went wrong because it's easy to say... You know, Anka Trimberger was very, very good. She had a fantastic game and, and Arsenal just didn't finish their chances. And, you know, Emma Hayes was quite open that Chelsea were lucky. Um, so it was a difficult one. You know, they started really well, did Chelsea, but Arsenal just came on really strong. And unfortunately, Miedemar and a few others had a bit of an off day. And Beth England at the minute, you know, is, is probably the best number nine. Well, the best English number nine in the country anyway. So... And that showed. You've actually done an article about her recently, Rich. Um, going back to the depths of, of, of where she started out, she's got a Sheffield United connection, which I know always delights you. What surprised you when you when you were looking into her past and when you were doing that research? What were the things that stood out about her? Not a huge amount surprised me, kind of knowing her like I do and the fact that she's got Yorkshire roots and, and a Yorkshire background. You know, people up here... You probably know knowing me are quite determined and quite stubborn. Um, so I'm not saying anything. Yeah. To, to know to know that Beth kind of really fought her way to the top and you know didn't give up when when Chelsea loaned her out um, because I think it would have been easy to and and speaking to her, it's quite clear that her confidence was massively knocked by that because at the time Chelsea when they loaned players out they they never really went back yeah. um, and Beth did and and obviously you know she's now. You know, the number one striker in a team where you've got Sam Kerr and, and you've got Frank Kirby and you've got Erin Cuthbert. And it's just a great story, you know, to see someone that's come up really through the system, you know, played for Donny Bells and, and is now arguably England's number one striker. Phil Neville's called her world class. Is she world class yet for you? She certainly has that potential. Is she there yet? She's in world class form, definitely. Whether she's a world class player yet. I think there's probably another level to go. I wouldn't say you'd put her quite there yet, you know, with the Miedemars, yeah. the Sam Kerrs, the Hegerbergs, etc. But I think she is now, she's on par with Ellen White, definitely, and, and she's on par with quite a few others. And I think if she carries on, 
you know, yeah, she's going to be one of the, the top strikers in the world. A word on Arsenal, Leah Williamson afterwards said that she felt there was nothing more they could have done in that final. If they went back over it again, they wouldn't change a single thing. Was that how you perceived the match and the performance from them? She's probably right. I mean, you know, considering they got thumped 4-1 by them um, not long before, I think the fact that they came out, they pretty much dominated the game and they dominated it to such an extent that even, you know, Emma Hayes admitted that they dominated it. So it's difficult. You know, I suppose you come out of a cup final and think you've done everything you can, then maybe it's easier to take. I'm not sure, but, you know, they did. And, and apart from put the ball in the back of the net, you know, they were quite wasteful. Well, Berger made some very good saves, but they also had some very good chances and got into some very good positions. And, yeah, it's just one of those things, you know, people said before the game, it's a cup final, you know, anything can happen and, and form goes out the window and Chelsea were the team in form and, and they probably should have lost the game and, and that's just how it goes, unfortunately, for Arsenal. Before you go, Rich, a word on the championship season being extended. Bad weather recently, those postponements mean that the last fixtures of the season will now be played on the 10th of May. How's that been received at club level, obviously, with your sort of media hat on, media Sheffield United hat on? I think it's quite a relief that it's been sorted sort of early doors. Um, so we can now obviously prepare for the end of the season. It's not ideal in terms of there's now a big gap sort of between the, the last game before that and then the final day of the season. But, you know, obviously if there are any other more postponements, which obviously we had on Sunday, you know, we now have sort of a slightly larger gap to, yeah. to get those games in. It's, it's not ideal in terms of, I don't know whether players have, have already booked holidays or things like that, but... I'm not privy to that kind of information, but I'm sure um, you know, the players are professional. If they have to be here mm-hmm. and have to play for another few weeks, you know, especially if we're in a promotion chase, then uh, you know they'll do it. So I think we're just glad it's been sort of kind of done and dusted early on, really, and we can now prepare for for the end of the season. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. You're listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition with Football Manager. So news from elsewhere in women's football this week. It took three weeks, but we finally finished the fifth round of the (laughs) FA Cup. Did anyone think it would happen? (laughs) Brighton were the final team to put their place in the last eight. That was thanks to a 3-0 victory over championship side Crystal Palace. A reminder of how the quarter-final draw looks as a result. Brighton against Birmingham. Everton host Chelsea. Arsenal take on Tottenham Hotspur in a North London derby. And Leicester, who are the only remaining championship side take on Manchester City. I really like these ties. Very quickly, who are we going to see in the semis out of these teams, Anne-Marie? I'm thinking we're going to end up with WSL teams. So, um... Are we essentially going to see Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City in the semi-final? Yeah, yeah sure. I'd say so. Yeah, I think so. Plus, who else? I think Birmingham will have too much for Brighton. Brighton have improved quite a lot under Hope Pal, mm. but I think that Birmingham have just got that experience in the Cups interesting I keep using that word a lot because I think this is a really interesting time I, I'm going to go against you this time okay. I'm going to go with Brighton I think. is that just because Birmingham are in a bit of disarray yeah. they've had so many changes young players but I think those young players are starting to find their feet okay mm. we'll see how that pans out uh, next up the Great British weather did its best but the good news is we do have now a new date for that Merseyside derby it's the rescheduled clash of course because it was postponed due to Storm Kira was it or was it Storm Dennis or was Kira. it Storm Jorge, or was it who? I mean, of, of all the storms. Anyway, it's going to take place Wednesday, 25th of March, under the lights, 7 o'clock at Goodison Park.
Transfer news. Manchester City can confirm that striker Pauline Bremer is going to leave the club at the end of her current campaign. Not only have they revealed that, they've revealed which club she's going to. She's going to Wolfsburg. This is a good one to look at, actually, because Paulina Bremer was injured for the first bit of her career at Manchester City. Started this season, of course, the side without Ellen White, and we saw the best of her. And she's had a great season with City. So why is she moving? Well, she's moving to Wolfsburg, who are a force in women's football over in Germany. And, you know, they are a top side. But she's leaving a very exciting team like Manchester City. Is she doing it? because she doesn't know who her manager is going to be next season. So reality check, because this is what I take away from this. She said that she wanted a new challenge in her career. We've seen Nikita Paris go to Lyon. We've seen other players leave the WSL to go to either France or Germany. Are we kidding ourselves that the WSL is right up there at the moment? Because I believe the quality on show, it's one of the best leagues, if not the best league in the world right now in women's football. But all of these players want to go to other clubs. And this is another one that we're losing for a new challenge. What are we reading in between the lines that she's actually going to go after Champions League football with Wolfsburg instead? I think that's the case. When I saw the news this week, I did raise my eyebrows a bit because exactly what Kate said, she's had a fantastic time Mm. at yeah, we're talking 24 this, goals in yeah. 43 appearances. I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. Uh, I, I just, I'm wondering if there's something a bit more going on here than what we I think we it's know. a return back home. She yeah, is a German I, international. Yeah, She's going to be I playing think. with the likes of Dominique Bloodworth, Alma Schutt, Alexandra Pop. I think this is a going back home for a bit type move. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have to question whether, whether there is a bit of, well, we don't know who's going to be our boss next season. She's fighting for her place Manchester City which is what of course players in the top sides are doing now in the WSL completely reasonable but is there an element of I don't know what's ahead for me next season in the WSL and I just want to play consistently especially as she's come back from that long injury I I would argue that she'd already she'd already fought for her place though I think she'd already got it that shirt Mm. was hers it's going to be a big loss and I'm just disappointed to see another big name leaving the league and I'm hoping that we're not that feeder club Um, situation where people are going to Manchester City, Arsenal, Chelsea, which are top, top clubs and should be up there fighting for Champions League titles to go to other teams because otherwise you're always going to be playing catch up with the likes of... by the way, I can't remember the last Wolfsburg. time Wolfsburg won the Champions League. I think it's like 2013. They've been in the final a few times. Yeah, yeah. but they, I, I mean, yes, they have won the title the last three years. They've won the last domestic cup. The Porkel, is it called? The DFB Porkel? Whatever <laughs> it's called. They've won the German Cup in women's football for the last three seasons too. So, you know, of course, she's um, going to get a bit of glory there as well. International football next. So straight after the Conti Cup final, some of the Chelsea and Arsenal players, they didn't have much downtime or celebration time if you're a Chelsea player. They went straight to Gatwick, ready to jump on a flight with England teammates. Can you imagine what that was like for the Arsenal players and the Chelsea players? They've just played in a final together. One's lost, one's won, getting on the plane together. They went to Orlando. The Lionesses facing the USA in the She Believes Cup opener on Thursday. Now, this is a title they're defending are they in good shape to do so? Oh, man. I've got mixed <laughs> feelings about this one. I really have. Um, for a long time, I've been saying, when are we going to see some youngsters come into the England squad? Because I think that transition needs to start happening fairly soon. And, and Phil Neville, to his credit, had brought in young players in terms of the training ground and invitational things like that. And now we've seen some fantastic names joining the squad. At the same time, I'm thinking... They're going there to defend their crown. They're going up against the World Cup champions. I'm not entirely sure that squad, when I look at it, 
even though it's got tons of experience mixed with some youngers, as the young people say, in there, I'm not sure they're strong enough to take on the How USA. How would you make it better? Who would you put in there? If you want experience, if you're leaning towards that, would you then parachute in a Farrah Williams? Yeah, I, I would. I would parachute her in. I, you know, I think Beth Mead is a big loss. Yeah. Beth Lucy Bruns is a big loss. And they She's, were the two, I yeah. think. They're the big losses. But arguably for me. he can't do anything about those. No, and I and I totally I totally appreciate that. Look, I mean, obviously I want England to win. I want them to defend their crown. I'm just not I'm gonna be a bit risk adverse and just temper down my expectation that they're gonna be able to beat USA. Let's get a draw, at least. Lucy being out for it, I do think scuppers things slightly. And I'm going to explain why I think that. Rachel Daly, who is such a versatile player. We've seen her for the Lionesses playing <laughs> all sorts of positions. Guess going to get into right back. Exactly. <laughs> but I actually think Rachel Daly would have fed off, and well, certainly Beth England would have fed off Rachel Daly very well. That is the partnership that I thought could have been electric. And now if Rachel Daly moves back into more of that right back role to fill where Lucy was, unless, of course, you know, we can't take anything away from the fact that Alessia Russo, I know she's only 21, but she's been called in to replace Lucy. So maybe she will slot straight in and Rachel Daly will be more advanced. she's a direct replacement for Lucy. She was, she was out there, Alessia, for the kind of experience. She was training with the side. She plays over in America anyway. So for her, it was about experience and she's good enough to be part of the squad. Is she a direct replacement for Lucy? No, I don't think she is. I have to be honest about that unless Phil Neville is wanting to spring a surprise on the likes of USA we'll see Japan and Spain also out there as well by presenting them with a new and unknown younger team I'm not worried about Spain and Japan I'm more worried about USA because they are on another level and I do think Phil Neville's been very vocal about the fact that he after the disappointment of the Women's World Cup he's expecting a lot lot more but is he why would you select such a young side if it wasn't more looking ahead to the Euros next year indeed and I think he's done the right thing but I agree with Lindsay that it's been slightly scuppered by the loss of Lucy Bronze and Beth Mead I also think the other thing that's going against England for this is the way the fixtures have fallen, you know, facing USA in the opener. Because I think if USA, which they have the potential to do, do put a few goals past England, what does that do to confidence? And we've seen since the World Cup a real dip in form uh, when it's been in these friendlies. Mm. I know that the She Believes Cup, there is silverware up for, for grabs and there's a title to defend, but I do think that it will really, really not morale if the USA seem to be on a different level, which could happen. So how, how they shape up against them, I think, will determine how they do in the whole thing. Well, despite those high-profile dropouts, there's a fair bit of buzz surrounding the tournament and what we're going to expect from Phil Neville's Lionesses. Here to discuss their chances, women's football journalists for the likes of 442 and many others. She's at the She Believes, covering it for the Mail. It's Claire Bloomfield. Hello. Hello there, ladies. Now, Intel tells me that you've just finished at the breakfast buffet in Orlando, Claire. I'm um, expecting you to come back 10 sizes bigger than when you went, because I know what those American the breakfasts portions, are like. yeah. Just nobody tell Don Scott how big the waffle was and what was on top of it. Because <laughs> I'll be well and truly out of section. <laughs> um, let's talk about England's chances. They're really going to have to hit the ground running, aren't they? Because not the way that you'd have planned it, USA up first for Phil Neville's Lionesses. 
in a way, I actually think it's a good thing that this, you know, they can't ease their way into this tournament. As you say, they have to hit the ground running. They have to make a statement, and they really have to start rebuilding their reputation. I think because you know the the last uh, six or seven games following that semi final defeat to USA did not go to plan. So that you know, if, if they want to be the, the world's best and they want to surpass the likes of the USA, as Neville keeps reminding us, then they've got to make a statement and it's got to start on Friday. Sandy McIver's been named as one of the goalkeepers for the England Lionesses. How surprising were you seeing her name on the list, Claire? I'm not surprised because Neville always has made a point of bringing in young players with kind of the the longer term future in mind. So he wants her to be part of this squad in and around a international competition. And he obviously feels that experience for her will be vital in bridging the gap between obviously the the under 21s and, and the senior team. I'm not convinced she will play. I, I think it's very much kind of between Telford and, and Roebuck, but obviously Roebuck has picked up a knock of late. She's fit enough to be in the squad, but it'll be interesting to see what he goes with. Obviously, there's been a lot of questions around our goalkeeping situation for a long time, hasn't there? You know, you wonder if Karen Bardsley was fit, would she be here? Would she still be his first choice? So, yeah, I think it's it's great that Sandy is involved and if it helps us um, kind of bridge that gap and keep competition for that number one jersey, then it can only be a good thing. Japan and Spain are the other two countries in this competition. Much being made about Japan as as potentially the surprise outfit for this because they've been gearing up, haven't they, to the Olympics and this is a bit of a warm-up for it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, an Olympics all been well should it go ahead. Um, an Olympics on home soil is absolutely vital that they uh, make a real mark there and, you know, they want to go in and win it the same way, you know, we'll have pressure on us as a home nation to win the Euros in 2021. So, you know, their preparation, obviously a very young squad that's been building up to this for the last four years and this is a really good chance to test themselves against some of the best sides in the world and It'll be interesting to see how, how England approach this one. Obviously, they, they thrashed them in the competition last time around, so that could be a really exciting tie. They are a young side, Japan, definitely one to watch. Spain's still a bit of an unknown quantity. They've got some very good players there, some very technically good players, and they always, don't they, arrive with a game plan. We saw some good stuff from them during the World Cup, but I just wonder what pressure, if any, is on Phil Neville, Claire? Where are we realistically looking at that we should expect from the Lionesses? Well, this is something I spoke about in the column that came out for 442 this week, was very much that, you know, all of those uh, conversations around Phil Neville's P45 being all but signed have kind of died down over this three-month break that we've had from the last international fixtures. But I think those conversations will quickly resurface if they really don't turn in not just good performances, but, you know, go on to win it. For me, that's what they have to do. You know, if they want to surpass the likes of USA and they want to be kind of named amongst them as the, the, the best sides in the world, then they need to be able to win tournaments back to back. And and that's what USA have managed to do. They've got that kind of very strong mentality that, that England have, have lacked of late, particularly in big moments. So I think this will be um, a real test for Phil Neville and, and the pressure's on. For those unaware of how the She Believes Cup works, so you've got different host cities throughout America, different stadiums, and of course the crowd sizes that you're potentially expecting. Can you just talk us through that, Claire? Yeah, I mean, 
for us it's not great probably not for them either because the the traveling you know obviously the flights around the united states are um you know two or three four hour flights in some instances so the team will leave uh orlando they'll fly up to new jersey they'll play in in harrison in new jersey which is the the home of the new york red bulls um and then they'll fly down to frisco in texas so they're very long journeys and i don't think we should underestimate the the travel that those players will go through it's interesting actually demi stokes spoke to me about this just a couple of weeks ago as you know when she was playing college football uh, in Tampa as a youngster she remembered even at that level you know she would fly every single weekend to games even just at college level so that you know the Americans are a little bit more used to traveling those sorts of distances than we are so it'll be interesting to see how Dawn can help them recover and and sort of what shapes will be in because there is only a few days between the first and second game. A reminder of the fixtures then that are coming up the 5th of March is the USA against England 7pm our time 8th of March for the Japan versus England match that's 6 15 p.m. UK time and 11th of March for England versus Spain, 7.15 p.m. That music you just heard signals any other business. Fan by Kate Borsay. Good find that. Well, it isn't a find. It's a classic. It's you going through your old music collection. I I forgot how good that track really is is Tribe Called Quest. Very, very good. Uh, The Finnish Women's League has removed its gender reference. I'm liking this story this week. So they've been renamed the National League rather than the Women's National League. Um, And they're sponsored by Subway as well. Another sponsor getting on board with women's football, which is nice to see. Nice meaty sandwiches there. Uh, Tragic news, uh, just moving on to our next item of any other business. Former Charlton player Lucy Kerr. Really saddest one. Lost her battle with cancer last week at the age of just 20. She joined the club in um, 2013-14, playing with the under-14s where she won Player of the Year. She progressed into the club's under to 16s and went on to Captain Kent schools before making the step up to play senior football with Charlton uh, in the club's development team. Yeah, our I, thoughts I, to everyone at Charlton. And, and I saw um, Carly Telford amongst many other players that, that tweeted about this. Mm. I mean, 20 years old, no age at all. And you just you just feel for the family, don't you? I mean, it's just tragic. Also, World Cup winner Sydney LaRue. She's called for more support for mothers in the NWSL. She's she, my hero, by the way. Is she? She's, she's my football crush. Just hands up. I think <laughs> she is the most beautiful, awe-inspiring role model of a woman that I could ever come across. But on, on that note, <laughs> uh, she gave birth to a daughter in June. Uh, returned to action for the club. This is the, why you like her, because it's reminiscent of you when you did a, a whole new degree her, when by, you were pregnant. By the way, I liked her at Canada 2015 before she had children. OK. Uh, she returned to Orlando Pride three months after giving birth. How many weeks was it before you came back to Sky Sports when we worked together? Oh, six. Yeah, six weeks after giving birth. Wow. Yeah. It's because you, you... I had to. <laughs> I hadn't got any money. money. Yeah. <laughs> And actually, that is very actually, similar. Actually, that's very similar. Carry to on. what Sydney LaRue is saying. So she's told Forbes uh, that she spent more money on babysitters than she made from doing her job as a professional football player. This is, of course, the American League, where there is no, as far as I'm led to believe, no formal arrangements for maternity pay. It's a bit different if you play for the national side, um, for US soccer. There, there are arrangements in place there. But she said far too often we see women having to make a choice between motherhood and their career. And that could be another huge debate, I think, that ends up happening in this country as well. Uh, we must mention Manchester City's free footballs for girls. This is amazing, Actual by free the way. Footballs. Yeah, go on to our Twitter account because we're supporting Manchester City on this one. It's their Same Goals campaign, so hashtag Same Goals. For every single video they get of a girl saving or scoring 
a goal. Each video, each participant, a free limited edition Puma football. So if you have a daughter or a niece or uh, know of young girls who like to get involved in football, video them. Send it through to us via the Offside Rule pod. We've quote tweeted uh, Manchester City's campaign tweet. Every single entrant gets a free football. And if you do it through us, you'll also get a chance to win a signed Steph Horton shirt. Nice. So you can win that as long as you just tag us in as well at Offside Rule Pod when you're sending your videos through. That will enter you automatically. So just make sure you do that. Uh, well, that's your lot for this week. I'm afraid we've run out of time. A big thank you to our sponsor, Football Manager. Uh, we're going to be back next week to reflect on the first round of clashes in that She Believes Cup out in the USA, uh, plus all the other news in the world of women's football. If you miss us during the week, and why wouldn't you? You can head over to our website, Offside Rule Pod podcast.com for all our latest shows and articles covering both the women's and the men's game. That includes Martin Whiteley's Women's Worldwide Roundup. A fresh one of those uh, this week for you and more on that cracking Conti Cup final. I'm going to get my fork at the ready. Anne-Marie, thank you for coming in, especially thank you for bringing in cake. You're welcome. (laughs) I am salivating at the prospect of the ganache that's going to greet us in just a few minutes time. What has a post-birthday week got in store for you? Oh, to the, well, obviously spending time with you guys. Um, I'm over to Ipswich tomorrow for the FA Cup I th- for that one. And then taking part in some events for International Women's Day this weekend. Lovely. Of As course, well. that's come around. It's yes, always March. It's so quickly. So loads in store for you, Anne-Marie. Uh, thank you to our listeners for getting involved as well. A special word to some of you who've been reviewing the show. These are really nice. Thank you so much. Patrick West says, uh, incredible work covering the women's game, which doesn't get the attention it deserves. Have never missed an episode he says the WSL coverage we all need. Thank you very much, Patrick. Yes, and thank you as well to Daniel Bartolini, uh, cream of the crop for English and European women's football, a wonderful show with great production value, deep, knowledgeable journalists reporting on the WSL, including news regarding European leagues. It emerged from the glory of the 2019 World Cup. It did that and has helped a stateside audience stay in touch with the world overseas. Me. There you we go. haven't paid you. Thank you we so haven't. much for please, that. please give us more. Five stars very and a humbling. review wherever you get your podcasts. That's it for us this week, Lindsay. We're off to delve into Anne-Marie's birthday cake. We'll see you next week, listeners. You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. And for more from the Offside Rule, head to our website, offsiderulepodcast.com. Muddy Knees Media.